Welcome to another episode of the Visual Div. Aline, we've got a special guest today. Who is that special guest? Well, this is the second time I tried to introduce our special guest. <laughs> <laughs> so we have, um, I think this is the third time we tried to record this in the last 15 minutes. Um, but yeah, I've got definitely got gremlins in the cables here somewhere. But um, but yeah, we, we're, 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 we're going on to a roll. We've got two special guests in two special weeks. But we got um, We got our man, Corey. Corey, hey. creator of Mast, works in Webflow, code mix, no code enthusiast. Like, what? How else should we introduce you, Corey? That's What's it. Correct? I'm a, I'm, a, I'm a dad. I guess I don't know. That's my other, you know, personal identity. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Well, I'm stoked to be here. Thanks for having me, yo. Ah, right, good stuff. No, thank, thanks for dialing in. So we've got, we got, yeah, you're, you're dialing in from Iowa. Mm-hmm. Iowa, and I don't know if you know this, I actually have family in Iowa, in Forest City. I did not know that. Interesting. No. Yeah. yeah. I um, Funny story, my, my dad told me, I went there when I was about two months old. No, two mm-hmm. months old, maybe six, maybe six months old. We were doing like a Disney World tour. I don't know why they, they brought me, other than I was six months old, but I, t- <laughs> I, got, no, I got no value out of this trip. <laughs> That's right, Matt. You could, you could fend for yourself at six months, just give <laughs> yeah. you back in Wales. <laughs> You know, that military yeah. training of your father. He's just like, ah, he's grown up. <laughs> <laughs> so good. They didn't need to bring no, you at but all. They, but I remember my dad, mum um, and dad. Honestly, they didn't. To be honest, I think my dad would have been much happier just staying at home with me. Because mum went, went to Forest City where her cousin lived. And they went for three weeks. And um, no slight on the cousin or the location. But he said Forest City was just like a crossroads with a couple of houses and a and a coffee shop and a Winnebago factory I think it was yeah and he and he said <laughs> after about four days he just he, he he nearly went for a run down the road just to get out of the place like he, he just he just he couldn't hack that there wasn't you know like you come from Europe and everything's so confined and pressed in and yeah yeah and, yeah whereas I guess I like I was it's it's I even did it I didn't did the forest city to, to De, Des Moines Yep, on yep. a map and it's like a tetris it's like no it's like a pac-man thing it's yeah. like straight up right turn up <laughs> left turn you gotta up. go through the fields yeah 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 <laughs> yeah Man, there was no, this, no corners there was no corners this yep. is the iowa corners. i think my first introduction to iowa was was this slipknot is that band from oh iowa? yes yeah yeah they, they're they, from had, they had an yeah, album yeah. called iowa or something yeah didn't they? yeah yeah slipknot yeah there you go also, like that I feel like our other claim to fame is Kevin Costner in the movie Field of Dreams. Uh, if you've heard of that one, maybe. No, I haven't <laughs> heard of that. Oh. It was, oh. I'm, I'm, more, I'm more relating to my like really angry 16-year-old self, probably yeah, 13, yeah, 14-year-old yeah. self, and he's like, these guys play drums with bins. And we don't yeah. have metal bins in Ireland, so it was an unusual sound. <laughs> Good old Slipknot. Yeah. <laughs> we are uh... strong, aren't they? Yeah, I think so. And like we have a, you know, in, in the States, we have these big state fairs every uh, summer. And Iowa's is like pretty notorious, I would say, for being like bigger and just like insane food and all that. And they always have concerts every night and Slipknot fail, you know, every single year they'll, they'll play. Uh, and it's like always one of the biggest turnouts, I feel like, just because of the local, you know, local vibe. Yeah, so. for sure. Yeah. And everybody's oh, kind of probably who started liking them, what, it's 20 years ago now. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. They're yeah. like, you know, reliving. <laughs> yeah. 
past glories. I never well, actually get got to see them. It was just more like me and a couple of buddies who were like listening to this. And my parents were just like, my dad was mad into like metal back in the day. So he wasn't kind of concerned oh, or nice, anything, yeah. but like, when you come to think about it, it was just like a couple of nerdy 16-year-olds in their room by themselves trying to repeat it on like their like $100 guitars. I love it. Never like being able to recreate those noises. Oh, it's so good. And all the, you know, Slipknot masks and stuff they wear and all that is just like, yeah, it's next level. Uh, so, it was so like, because see, that that's as well. Like those things just, they, they, they would arrive with a storm. Like you wouldn't even... There was no like um, easy intro to something as culturally weird as that, you know. Yeah. <laughs> Album just gets released. It goes on Krang dot com or Krang or uh, MTV Music or something. You're just like, what is this madness? And yeah, you yeah, yeah. buy the album, and like an hour later, you're just like, I've never heard anything like this before. Yeah, yeah, it pretty is. cool, it's crazy, mad, it's crazy. mad, mad memories. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, you know, AC, ACDC are playing Dublin in August now. They announced this morning. Oh no, my nice. goodness! Now they're very different to Slipknot, but yeah. for me, they're my they're my Slipknot because I was yeah. I grew up in the kind of pop culture, uh-huh. and it's only recently I've I've had it on um I've had it go into the childcare to drop my little two year old off. We're doing we're doing ACDC in the back of the car like this, like. So is this your I'm, highway to hell? Is dropping your kid off to school? Yeah, yeah oh, it is. You're bringing the kid back home is the highway to hell. <laughs> Yeah, it's just like stuck stuck in a traffic jam. Him crying in the back because we forgot his favorite Teddy, and we're like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. You got to distract somehow. Exactly. Yeah. Anyway, yeah, yeah, yeah. anyway. Um, no, thanks for coming on, Corey. Um, lots lots have been going on in the Webflow world, and as I say, we don't want to interview you because that's that's just like we we don't we, we've not been interviewed. Let's nerd but, out. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, let's nerd out. One thing we wanted to nerd out on. Wasn't it, Alin especially? No, I, me especially. I was like, Alin, like, mast, mast has changed. All these variables, I can't do them. I can't handle var- variables. Down with variables. Down with variables. I remember, I remember when variables first came out, and I was, you know, this was before Webflow days, and everyone was pumped. Everyone was pumped because obviously CSS they'd variables. Be, yeah, 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 yeah. CSS variables, and they'd been using, all, you know, been using the the preprocessors before to do all the the jiggly pokery. Yep. Yeah, and then the web flow comes on. I didn't even think about variables, and then they appeared, and you go, "Wow, this is pretty cool." And then what? What you said, you you've done with Mars, but also Timothy Ricks has done. It's like, whoa! It's like a different language. Like, yeah, yeah, like, yeah. There's rabbit holes that like <laughs> you follow. You follow one variable, and it ends up on another variable, and it's been used in another place. Yeah, and yeah, it'd be, it'd be awesome to get your take on. Even for just the basics, like what is the variable? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Totally. Why should you use it, and how how are you using it in Mask? Because you're using yeah. it in some pretty unique ways. Like, yeah, I mean, I'll start by saying I still don't feel like I'm personally like an all time expert in variables. Even like <laughs> pre Webflow days, when I was you know more doing just like front end development, design that kind of stuff, making my way through code as I could try to figure it out. Um, I remember specifically what you said, preprocessors and like compilers and stuff. I remember like um, is, I, I got so burnt out on WordPress and things like that, that I was just using like just HTML, CSS and JavaScript templates from like ThemeForest. And this is where, you know, and then the company I was working at was would, would use Bootstrap for their like base framework 
And so that's even why mass is a lot of the way it is, is I just, I don't know, learned a lot that way. And my point in saying all that is that I remember downloading this one demo. I'm like, this is amazing. But all the CSS was like, sa- uh, yeah, SAS, right? It was like one of the sub frameworks that you had to compile yeah. up. And I remember asking my manager, who was like, honestly, a big mentor for me in terms of code. And I'd be like, I'm like changing the CSS. It's like, I'm saving and it's like not showing on the browser. He's like, you got it. You got to compile it, man. Like, yeah. I'm like, what is this compiling? I just want <laughs> vanilla code that I save it. And then I refresh and it's there. Like, I don't want to dink around with all this other stuff. And honestly, like if, I, if I'm brutally honest with myself, I still have a lot of those like feelings today around like, that's why I love Webflow is it is still so vanilla, you know, compared mm-hmm. to like all the setup and just crap that you would have to do otherwise. Like even Webflow injecting like pre uh, CSS prefixing and stuff like that. Like, again, you had to like compile that in before and all that. And so anyways, back then is where I feel like I first like even heard of variables. Uh, but ever since I've never really religiously used them in like custom CSS or anything like that, right? And then when Webflow, especially internally started talking about them, then I was like, okay, I like get the vibe. Like uh, again, internally, I think my first reaction, I remember being like, I, the first thing they were talking about doing is moving global swatches to variables. And I'm like, what is the gain here? Like, it's the exact same primitive <laughs> of like, I have a color. I can use the color in all kinds of different classes. I change the color. It updates in all those classes without having to touch each, each individual class, right? So I was like, I, I love that. Don't get me wrong. I, I think, I you know, ever since the beginning, global swatches has been so awesome in that way. Uh, but then, okay, we're going to scale this up to sizes and other types of like, uh, units, I guess, of a variable. Um, and so then, uh, Figma last summer came out with native variables, right? Which there was like plugins galore that you could, uh, do variables with. And even like Lumos V1 that Timothy Ricks did, if you all saw some of those videos, he used, I forget what the plugin was in Figma, but you know, it was a plugin so that he could globally manage all of his variables. Um, and then Figma dropped and so he had to convert them all. And, and then I remember internally too at Webflow and all this kind of coming to be, there was like points of conversation that was even like, should they be CSS variables? Like, or should they just be like a variable thing in, in Webflow that then again on the back end gets magically turned into all the deployments that it needs to go to. And I mean, I'm, I'll be straight. I'm a CSS purist is what I'd say. I always feel like a grumpy old man internally, or even just honestly in the web anymore. Cause there's so many people, let's be honest, that just like, don't like CSS. Like that is like a notorious thing in development is like CSS is shit. <laughs> and oh, 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 that's fine. <laughs> you know, like, it's just like, it's You're total not crap. This show. Don't worry okay. about it. If you don't curse on the show, I will. So, <laughs> <laughs> and 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 so it's like, you know, I, I've always been like, no, I love CSS because like it's really performant. And, you know, just like at the end of the day, I think my biggest thing with it is like you can't run from HTML and CSS. Like all of these web apps and fancy crap people are making, it all has to render down to those things. Like, yes, there is like, you know, states and all these other things that react to Next.js and all those things are doing. But like at the end of the day, like in order to show a color, it's got to be in CSS. Like. Please correct me if I'm wrong. And so it's like one of those things, if, I, if that's the case, I love being close to it. It's like, you know, woodworking or whatever. I don't want to just like have all of my tools only be plastic that touches the wood. Like, no, I want to like touch the wood and make it as it is, you know? And it's such a metaphorical reason to say variables and, and the why behind <laughs> them. And so 
Uh, I'm sorry for that roundabout. It's just, yeah, I think so. That was kind of some of, I would say, my own experience of back backstory of variables. And then as they came into Webflow, I was like, okay, this is cool. But like, I'm going to be honest, like my first thing was like, we don't still to this day don't have breakpoint variants, right? And so I was like, that was the first flag where I was like, it's just, I don't think I want to invest the time into like converting and like, you know, updating things to this until we have that. And that's honestly why it's taken up until, you know, now four months since Webflow Conf and it was announced that I did anything and masked with it. Or honestly, even internally, we have our own framework on the brand web team called Boilerplate. Very, very similar to Mast um, and even learned a lot in making that on the team. And then from Bootstrap and that is really kind of what birthed uh, Mast publicly. Again, I've used like Mast without a name forever. Um, but um, even internally, we didn't really use it until recently. We had a project uh, that was us taking boilerplate, modifying it. And it needed to be this like really strong base for something else to be scaled up later. And so they were like, we need, you know, variable everything. And so I was like, all right, like, I guess we'll do this. <laughs> and so, you know, I, I'm a junkie. I don't know about y'all with like YouTube videos of anybody in the Webflow community. I'm just like, a, I just like, that's all I watch basically. And so anytime something Timothy Ricks drops, I'm watching it, all that. And so like started seeing some of his thinking around it. And, you know, some of the workarounds, like, you know, I think Matt, you called out in our, we were DMing about like the mass variable updates and all that, like fault weight is not a supported unit or type of variable. And so to me, the Rix has this like genius workaround and basically just like you set them and then, you know, reset them in custom CSS so that you can set fault weight. And so I was like, already, I was like, all right, like, I guess that's fine. I'm not really, again, a fan of workarounds. I want things to just be vanilla. Uh, and native. Um, and, and so then this project came up and I was like, again, kind of forced into it internally. And, and, and that's fine. I mean, it's my job, whatever. And so then <laughs> when I leaned into it and like built it all out, then I was like, oh, wow. Okay. Like now just like actually using it, I have a little taste. I'm like, maybe I see at least some of the advantages, at least in the fact that once you have it set up, then, you know, making edits is like so fast because mm. it can affect, you know, multiple types of units like, you know, props or whatever uh, across multiple classes. And and so I don't know. Yeah, I think that was for me the thing that got me over the hill and then seeing the Timothy Rick stuff. And then like uh, if you saw, I think I, I sent you this as well, Matt, that uh, Mackenzie Child also works internally at Webflow, but he, you know, is big in the community, especially a few years back, built Hatch was a framework like I think it was even out before client first was, um, but it was kind of a very early take at utility uh, first framework in Webflow. He even openly said he's like, he, you know, didn't really feel like it was like lived up to what he was hoping it would. Um, and then now fast forward a few years, he's kind of like going all in on variables as well and then going to re-release Hatch. And he's teased some of this, but like I'll, I'm, I'm excited for people to see what he's cooking up with uh, just essentially like a type and scale system uh, that's all variable based and and math based so that you can like auto scale all your spacing and typing across breakpoints from just changing like four different variables. And uh, really impressive. However, again, I think the tweet I sent Matt was like, Mackenzie said like, how many is too many variables? Because he's up to like 260 or something like that. And like, I saw that tweet. Oh come my. Here, before we start going up, there's... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry. Like, I think there was about six things you said there that I'm like, what, 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 what? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's back so, up. I, we should talk about like the benefits of variables. 
And then we should talk about the limitations of variables in Webflow. But Love it. first of all, you need to talk about what the fuck is this internal framework boilerplate that you literally no one knows about? What oh, is the secret yeah, yeah. sauce? I, I'll, I'll try to be brief there. Is it that, called boilerplate? It's called boilerplate because we Great didn't name. have an, uh, didn't have a name honestly when we first were working on it, and then that just stuck. Uh, context: I I started in November of 2020, and um, I my first assignment was go build. I think it was like um, uh, uh, not the about page. It was some ba- very basic like static page that's like in our it was the legal page something like that. And I went into the project and webflow.com, I think, you know, we probably said this in live streams or whatever, we, you know, use reverse proxy a lot. And so it's like 12 different projects that make up webflow.com. Um, and that's for a lot of different reasons. We have, you know, multiple people working on it. So it splits it up, makes it easier. This is pre-branching and all that kind of stuff. And so I went into the, we call OG webflow.com files, like the original project that's been around since I think 2013, it used to be the only project and yo, there was like 1,100 uncleared uh, or classes that could be cleared that weren't. And and it, and then I just went to go start, and I was like, all right, I need a two column layout. Like I went and did wait, like wait, two wait, wait, call. Wait, wait, quick one. Oh yeah. Did yeah. you were you tempted to click the clean up classes? Oh, I was so button. tempted. I oh. I haven't. I think we. I eventually talked to like Johnny and some other people on the team. I was like, can we just like do this? Like I think it's <laughs> worth the risk and pain of like the just bloat this is creating and like because the the worry in clearing it for the team is like it you know the age old if you like generate some CSS in Webflow like styling an element and then you go use that in an embed and you don't like go store that class in a style guide page or somewhere and you clear it, you might just destroy the embed, right? Yeah. And so that was the fear. Um, anyways, I went to go add two column and there's like 17 classes all related to like two call something. And I'm like, oh my gosh, like I, I, like, <laughs> I get that this is like in a way safe, you know, but like it was really just the byproduct of like there was no real system outside of just like naming classes somewhat consistently. And so, um, yeah, I just brought it up that like, hey, have we thought about like using some kind of like a base framework? Uh, I don't know what that is. And so then long story short, Johnny and I, Johnny Gomez um, partnered on just like building what is now uh, Mass or sorry, Boilerplate. Uh, and again, a lot. it's very, very similar to Mass. The one key difference is we went kind of back and forth did a lot of testing around the layout system. And the layout system in Boilerplate is all CSS grid based uh, instead of Flexbox based like Mast. Um, and I, I honestly, two years later, two and a half years later, out of out of using it, I think we have a little bit of regrets in that. Uh, for the most part, it's fine. Like it all works the same as Mast in terms of you add a, you, in this case, you add a grid class, not a row, you know, and you th- start throwing divs in. And then the difference is you define the columns at the parent. So you say grid and then like LG call five, you know, MD call two, whatever. Um, but then, you know, the, the other byproduct is just that if you have a really massive page, like our pricing page, webflow.com slash pricing, all those, like you expand the little feature grid, those are all CSS grid, or they were actually. And it got Webflow uh, is a known thing that if you use too many grids on a page in the designer, it will hurt the performance of the designer, not the live page. But just the way that grids rendered and handled. I don't know the logistics. I'm not a you know that depth of an engineer. And so yeah, when we reskin for the brand refresh, we actually refactored that whole page to be all flexbox based, just to make the page more navigable and performant. 
um, in the designer when we're making updates. And so other than that, you know, the other 99% of our pages are fine. You never notice the difference. Um, and it's still like really flexible, but I think that again, the nerd in me, and now I'm going way too long on boilerplate, the nerd in me, the last thing I'll say is like, also, if you've experienced in grid in Webflow specifically, not CSS grid as a whole, how Webflow handles CSS grid, as soon as you add a grid and you drag a div in there to like span a few calls, it's generating arbitrary CSS on the back end to deal with that. And <laughs> again, small sites doesn't matter. Like the Webflow comp site, even this last year, we had this like fun idea to do this like 32 column base CSS grid that everything was built on every layout. And I was like, this is going to kill me a little inside to like watch all the just arbitrary CSS being generated to do this. <laughs> but we know the finite size of the site and it will be faster to like create what we wanted to create. And so let's just do it. But like, yeah, I, at, at its core, you know, especially even with masting the way it is with Flexbox, I think I, that's a lot of why is like, I want to make sure, you know, it's as little CSS generated as absolutely possible, as reusable, as dry as possible, blah, blah, blah. Um, yeah, so that's boilerplate. So that just so I'm... Because uh, <clears throat> we're trying to talk about a visual concept here. Yeah, yeah. And over an hour platform. But that's uh, if one was to inspect any of their Webflow projects and looked at their grid, especially the columns inside, you'd see that there's like random IDs and all these kind of huge string of numbers that would be added to their HTML. Exactly. And that would be saying that if they exported that and they deleted that then and you hosted it somewhere else then your 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 shit just wouldn't look the exact same as what you designed it exactly. so that's the the auto generated css or the arbitrary css like it is doing something but instead of it being a class the way css operates or we should operate mm -hmm. it's almost giving it a unique class for that particular yeah. event of it's, that's going I think on. It's, in it's technically an ID even too. It's just like yeah. an arbitrary string ID. Uh, if you want to see an example, if you're on Twitter, anybody that's listening, I, I'm going to butcher his name. So I apologize. I think it's Tomas Razik maybe, uh, who is. Oh yeah. Yeah. He, he the tweeted there like, um, last week or the week before, and it was absolutely mental. Mental. Yeah. Yes. The size of the CSS. Yeah. He, <laughs> tweet, was... he tweeted, yeah, this, I think it was January 25th and yeah, showed a screenshot of a project from some, I'm guessing client, maybe project. And he said it's 75,000 plus characters of just grid spans. And he shows a screenshot of it. And it's just like, again, it's just one of those things I think, you know, especially I love y'all's podcast because we do get more technical. You do get more like in the weeds of the code and the why. And I think this is honestly, it's one of the things that it's like, I love in the way that Webflow, you can prevent this though. You know what I mean? Like, sure, this happens, but if you're just aware of it and you care about that kind of stuff, because at the same time, it's okay if you don't. <laughs> like, if you're just building sites and you don't really care about the ended code and it works and it's selling whatever it needs to sell, great. But like, you can care in Webflow, which is what's so cool. Like, you can prevent this from happening and use some other approach, you know? And so... Yeah, and, I just, and also, it's one like, of those things again. Yeah. Like web webflow there's no there's no webflow can't get away with not doing that. The only way mm. to, to, to not have those would be to have auto generated classes appearing in your UI as you drag stuff. And yeah, yeah. So I guess and, it's worth saying that it Webflow are just doing the best they can in the context of grid areas and grids like the way the grid works in totally. the UI, which is like how 
how, I don't know how else anyone could cope with that. Because oh yeah, you have like, to put a lot more guardrails in place or something to make sure you know yeah. people know. Or yeah, I, I think even the contrast that I would compare is like you look at almost almost any other web builder, framer included. They choose that for you. You don't get to choose. They choose <laughs> how display and layouts are set. So a lot of them, especially more like the DIY tools like Wix, you look at the code generated and it's all that, you know, it's all just like arbitrary junk, you know, and like, yeah, yeah, yeah. again, at the end of the day, it's it just doesn't, random. it's just random. And, and again, that's because to Matt's point, they're solving it in honestly a really clever way, a really programmatic way to make it work so that people don't have to think about it. But again, that's mm. fine if you're doing certain things. I think like the thing I always give the, as the example of like why clean code matters when you're using something like Webflow is a lot of those use cases were like, you know, Webflow is, is heavily used in like SaaS startup stuff, right? Like YC Combinator of San Francisco, for example, is like a, you know, getting startups going and it's like 85% of, of new products that come out of there use Webflow. And a big reason of that is because all those teams have engineering teams and, you know, they don't want to do the marketing set themselves, but they want to hopefully know that the tool that their team is using is something that if they need to get in and inject some code or bring maybe a, a component or aspect of the product into the marketing site, it's like exponentially, uh, not necessarily easier, but like they know what they're getting into because it's like all readable, controllable code. Yeah, because like that's the, the thing that I love about the product, because at the end of the day, it is just HTML and CSS. Yeah, and it's like, vanilla. You know, we we're constant. We're in this. We're in this actually lovely world at the moment where we're. Should it no. be? Should the divs <laughs> be nested multiple times, or should we have spacers? Like yeah, these yeah, are yeah. nuances that we're arguing about because, because as you said, people actually do care about this kind of stuff. It's like, yeah. no, I don't want to have my image inside multiple nests of things, and then the padding to be on something else, and multiple. You know, it, it's it's actually you're kind of touching on that the whole last two years, maybe two and a half years of Webflow, where it did it did change a lot. Like the mm -hmm. whole thinking behind the CSS, the HTML and the structure. And like even, you know, your approach versus boilerplate versus uh, client first, like client first is very grid focused in terms of like, usually it's two or three columns or four columns. They don't really go into the spanning of right. columns. But um, but yeah, it's just so interesting. Even hearing it from the point of view of an engineer way down the line in a company who's oh, like, yeah. "Hey, can we actually do X, Y, and Z, which is a feature of our product, and put it in there?" And I can't really imagine a situation where you could say no. Like ultimately, if it if it isn't native in Webflow, the embed will solve that problem. Oh yeah, you can't figure it out within within the the native elements. Yeah, yeah. it's it's such a cool. Um, it think, is so cool think, when you get that deep into it and start talking about it like that. Because, and and this actually goes back. I'll, I'll segue back to like the vanilla JavaScript versus variables here because, um, like it is one of the main reasons that I love and loved past fell in love and still love Webflow is that. Uh, very straightforward, simple approach to writing HTML and CSS. And especially now, if you're thinking about small five-page websites, are variables overcomplicated? Or are we kind of thinking if we go 
into um, like much bigger websites and products because like well, Webflow, the tool, people are moving the tool into product development, it being oh, yeah. the front end of a product. Mm-hmm. So like, yeah, do you want to maybe touch a bit more there? Like let's look at the positives mm. of and maybe the use cases of variables. And then we can we'll we'll talk about the breakpoint issues after that. Yeah. <laughs> Matt, Matt, did you have something to add there too? I feel like you were gonna. Well, it was it was it was going on a bit of a tangent, but picking up on what what Alien said um, was, I love the way that we can we can geek out on the CSS front because I I came from a, a relatively low level front end background, but the reason I love Webflow was because it wasn't another Wix; it was something that I could like I could fanboy about, you know. I could yeah, understand, yeah. and I felt I was a little bit, bit of a specialist because I knew what a class was and what that was doing in the back end, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, but there is, there's still in my head. There's, there's this. I think there was a big shift with the Webflow Conf was moving from almost a design, maybe not a design focus, but a bit more of a drag and drop history of Webflow to a mm-hmm. a pro tool, mm-hmm. um, which was awesome. You know, you had things like DevLink and. You know now variables are coming out and they're not that easy to get your head around. If you, you can get your head around them, but they're not they're not just you know they're technical. Read, yeah, do yeah do a university you know, Webflow university as good as those videos are. You can't just do a video and just it clicks. Right. Um, but also like you've got then that goes up against some of the frameworks. So like some of the frameworks, most of the frameworks, client first, Mast, uh, Lumos, they're all CS. They're all kind of expert level. You know. In terms, mm-hmm, of you have to mm-hmm. kind of understand what's going on. Totally. But then you got like you got Reloom, which are one of the personally, I love I love the team and what they're doing over there. Oh, They've got a, their their system. If you build a site with Reloom, you could be in a bit of like chaos trouble with there's classes or layout classes all over the place, and mm-hmm. it, it doesn't matter what. But they're a bit more programmatic in the way they do it. And then you've got the template marketplace, which forces you to <laughs> to do bad things in CSS. <laughs> Yeah, I've got on my notes here, um, Corey is Webflow employee versus, versus no, customer. What are you doing with notes? Did you do homework? Did you prepare for this? Against the rules. I told Ali before, I said, like, this would be, yeah, we can't, we can't, we can't make Corey bat against himself in the, uh, in the <laughs> next year. Hey, I love any angle of a conversation. I, I think, I think even going <laughs> off that one thing I think that also is a nice segue back to variables is like in general, all this, I think the thing that still fuels my fire on Webflow and all this is like the same essence of the fact that we can all have opinions and different strategies and approaches is the same exact essence of the web itself, right? Like that's mm. the reason there's been innovation. That's the reason all these like react and all these things have come about and now drive what's the latest, which is because people have different ideas. They explore them, they expand them and scale them. And, you know, especially like, I feel like all of us that have been around the web for a a minute, you know? And so we've seen those things come and go. And I think that's what's so exciting is, is, is that we're able to have this opinion about it and then able to innovate on it. And I think variables is now just one more of those things, especially when you see the already contrast of extent that a couple people are using. Like, I think Timothy is really honestly the one that's like, at least publicly showing the most as he usually does. And this is right in his alley. Cause Matt, to your point, it's like, it's a fairly technical thing. And Timothy's content is like notoriously always pretty technical, like in a magical way, approachable, I would say, but like 
it's technical. Like he has a lot of GSAP yeah. videos, for example. And so, yeah, variables, I think at their essence, if you think about them, like just don't think about them as a, a, a bunch of variables. Just like if I need one variable, right? Like what does it do? What value does it add? So I think the easiest one for me, at least to understand is the color that I mentioned earlier, right? Like I have one color that is purple and I'm going to use that purple on some text and I want to use it on a button background and I want to use it on a section background. And those are all different classes controlling those things. But what if the client's like, actually, we want blue. Then you just go to purple variable and change it to blue and every place it's used and connected instantly updates. Magic, right? And again, just to throw it out there one more time, of you know, think about Wix and other tools that you have to change every freaking instance of stuff. Again, they still have, don't get me wrong, they still have concepts of variables and things or themes or whatever. But like in general, you know, that that power is usually abstracted away. Uh, whereas variables, so just, yeah. Just, just then before you move on in that. So yeah, <clears throat> the concept of variable color, you change it once and mm -hmm. it changes across the whole website or product. Yeah, yeah. Now, just go explain the slight difference between that and having a style sheet that would have the class of color mm. on your, you know, your color text, your color background, your mm -hmm. color. And that is, it's the same class or the same color that's across them. Like what's that slight difference between changing that like and the, changing the Yeah, variable? like a utility class, for example, right? Mm. So I, I would say that the key difference that I observe it as, at least, is that classes and again love css like i should just have a poster behind me or something the the cascade nature of css in the way that like classes you know can override each other if they happen to have the same property right variables uh although you can you'll still ultimately have that effect but variables are and i feel like there's a term that i'm drawing a blank on for this in terms of there's like a, a technical term for they are like they are uh, agnostic to the cascade. They don't give a crap about the cascade. They will inject their influence all the way through, right? Um, anywhere that they're used. Uh, and so if you think about like if I had the class of, you know, BG blue is a utility class, or let's go back to the purple, BG purple. And I'm just tacking that on the button and I'm tacking that on the section. Uh, but then what if the section, one of the sections that I have it on, you know, there's also like a custom class on there that's adjusting the background ever so slightly. Uh, then now that's overriding the utility or something in that way. And then I go to change the utility and it doesn't affect that class or it doesn't affect that section because of the, you know, the orientation of the classes that are set on that in the CSS, right? Because the class of this, the, the custom class on the section is overriding the utility. Whereas if you are setting it purely from variables, it should all be, and again, I wish I could think of this term, uh, it should all go all the way through and not not be affected by that orientation of where those classes are set in the style sheet. And again, like I would say in traditional coding, like front end development, it does it wouldn't be that big a deal because like you have full control over where your CSS classes sit in the CSS file. In Webflow, although thank you FinSuite for your wonderful extension that does let us mostly control that, you can't natively in Webflow reorder classes in the style sheet, which like my gosh, I hope that happens one day. Um, and so variables is just one more way to kind of, if that makes sense, like be able to get all the way through, right? Um, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, no, that's yeah. a great explanation. That's perfect. Um, yeah. Yeah, I guess. And the, the other thing, and maybe it's, it, yeah, touching on what you were saying there, it's just Web, Webflow does have that ability to translate what is um, 
code, essentially, whether it's a style sheet or an interaction or the HTML, into this visual UI where it's making it easier for people to understand. And yes. It, you know, and even it's making us as, as front-end coders more pleasurable to build sites because we're doing it in a visual manner, you know? Yeah, um, 100%. But then these variables come along and they bring a lot of trouble. Like They, they bring some <laughs> magic in the back end but they bring some real big challenges on the UI front because, you know, now now you haven't got 24 pixels or 24 rems or 24%, and they're nice little concise little pieces of uh, units. It's like Text, yeah. uh, primary size H1 and, you know, big font size da-da-da-da. And yeah. they start to, they've started to challenge the UI pretty heavily. Um mm-hmm. And that that's an interesting thing for me to look at, and so, um, and it's maybe something that it's more of a, like the product roll, you know, the, how the product team roll things out um, is how how do you go about? And maybe a big question, maybe not not one for you, um, but how do you go about um, bringing in benefits like the variables, like earlier than maybe the UI can keep catching up, and then the UI will obviously eventually catch up. And I've seen some of the guys on Twitter react to like react within hours and go oh what if you put dylan. a tool tip here it's like yeah dylan's like jeez fair play yeah. mate like i i was going at you and you just come back and gone here you go Dylan, like, yeah it's just like yeah he can he's a mag- he's a wizard i don't know how else to put it he can you know there's i'll say say it this way and i've, I've been told again I, I would say i'm like a tech newbie webflow is the only tech company i worked at but apparently this is fairly common i've been told by multiple people that like most tech company there's like a handful of engineers that can like somehow just do anything and they just have this like this like magical view, I guess. I don't know, and just like really high bar of technical knowledge. Dylan's one of those, and so um, yeah. I, the one thing I'll note is that like the the thing, and actually even Dylan ironically just tweeted this the other day when the dashboard folders thing rolled out, <laughs> and you know there's a little bit of an uproar, which like I saw that I one wonder, coming. I wonder who was a bit upset about yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. Anybody who was upset about that? <laughs> <laughs> You know, I, 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 I don't know. I, I, hey. I actually missed that twelve hours of of yeah. Twitter. But do you know? I, here, you know. I, what I love. I, wait, wait, wait. It, there's I, someone, there's someone at the door. I'll see you guys later. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think, I think, honestly, here nor there on that change. But I think that was yet another example of like that. I think we're internally. I would, I could say that's like people are taking progressively more seriously. Is like. This is our day-to-day workflow. Like we are in the tool every day. Changes matter, you know, like they can impact minutes of time. And and especially for a lot of our like, you know, freelancers and agencies as this like core part of our customer base, like over half the customer base is like that the minutes matter, right? Especially when you're hitting a deadline or whatever. So here nor there on that. The thing I was going to answer on your question, Matt, is like that Dylan even acknowledged when that change came out. It's like, remember everybody, like, it just because something happens over here doesn't mean like the whole team's involved in that. Like Webflow's over 700 people now. So it's like, it's, it's a lot of different teams working on a lot of different things. And even just like, as the pace of growth happens, like teams get reorged, you know, teams get like resorted on who's focusing on what. And so it is like, I don't even know how it happens. It's again, I'm just on the sidelines being like, I don't think people are going to like that. (laughs) Or like, why aren't we doing this or whatever? Just like as a nerd fan user, you know, like at at, a quick tangent, have y'all ever heard of the movie like Tron is like, there's an old one and then like Disney recreated it. It's like, 
This guy goes into this video game world. Doesn't matter if you've seen it or not. The point is somebody from real life goes into like a computer and then is like amongst computer players in this game. And there's this saying in there, he's like, I fight for the users. Like, cause he's like, you know, an actual user of the game. That's, I think of that all the time in Turtle. I'm just like, ah, for the users. Like, you know, anyways. And so my point in all that is even variables, I think Matt and what you're getting at is like, it's hard. Cause like variables can have a long string name and you're trying to fit that long name into like the margin and padding control where there's like barely enough space for 24 pixels to be typed out, let alone, you know, primary dash font slash something, 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 whatever. And, and so I think it, it all comes down to like, you know, how much value can be delivered as fast as possible. And even in the best way possible within the confinements and resources we have of people available, right? Like the variables, a lot of that was built with like a pretty, you know, agile, smaller team that was just trying to meet that comp timeline. And, and so, you know, I think there's a lot of stuff still coming with that. Um, and so hopefully we'll get some refinement around it. It was awesome. I think what you alluded to is that at least Dylan did acknowledge, like, I think it was maybe even you about that tweeted that it was like, I can't even read this, you know? And so at least there's like the tooltip part in there. But I think honestly, the byproduct is also just the, the downside of like, it's, I love that you can at least group variables in Webflow with the slash, but then that makes it yeah. even more complex to string in those names into the UI, yeah. right? So I don't know what's coming and that, there. That's, that's so interesting. Like, yeah. the, um, like the UI, like it is class. It is amazing class. class. So class is the Irish word for awesome. <laughs> it is class. <laughs> kind of gets awkward sometimes on this podcast. The whole like the vanilla web flow kind of style of 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 developing, yeah, like that UI is pretty seamless, mm. but it is getting to the stage that maybe Crowded. there needs to be a version of that UI or a, a way of expanding the UI to 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 cater for the complexities of what Webflow is introducing through yeah. variables yeah. and what people are doing with, with like, for example, the custom element, like the custom, not the custom element, the attributes, custom attributes. Like if, if mm -hmm. you go a little bit too deep into custom attributes, you're getting into the same issue that you don't know what's in your attributes. It's hidden behind in, in you know, the, the click into everyone and you yeah. can't see it. And it's just like, ah, I know it's in there, but it's kind of gone. Yeah. And um, so it's, it's like it's one of this it's 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 an amazing challenge to have i suppose for webflow and our team but it's almost oh, yeah. like as you said like the complexities of the web is is now coming into webflow and it's no longer this like toy it's this development yeah, yeah. tool that is mm -hmm. providing producing really high standard products yeah right and 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 moving with the complexities of the internet like as you said, we've been in the internet for a minute, you know, relative yeah, yeah, yeah. to the scale of the internet. Yeah. And Webflow then is like probably half a minute relative to what <laughs> we've been in. You know yeah. what I mean? Like yeah. we were on the internet, we were working tech uh, before Webflow. Well, I was working on other stuff before I found Webflow. Yeah. And it's like, it's just, it's amazing seeing like the limitations based on what the complexities people are trying to use Webflow for, yeah, and then seeing what, how Webflow are going to respond to that. Like mm. the tool tab, yeah, it's a solution, but really, is it like it's it works right now? But yeah. you know, it the complexity of variables is almost too too big for that that 
right and, now solution. Yeah, and I think it's 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 only the first instance you'll see where this is going to have to be solved. And so uh, two things I would say to this is one, there's definitely a lot of thought going into the style panel, right? Like there, even back last year, uh, ahead of the brand refresh and the new UI, that was all kind of, uh, you know, a big vision project that happened. I kind of alluded to some of that in my in the dare to share tweet thing happening. I, I mentioned the brand refresh is my last one and kind of alluded to some of that backstory. And so I'll just say that, that that's one, like this is a known thing. I just have like, a little yeah. little note there. Me and Matt were sitting beside each other when, so I, we were at, sitting beside each other at the Webflow Conf in London. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. I actually squeaked like a girl <laughs> um, when, when I, when that whole morphed together of like, oh. you know, the, the logo, I was like, oh, oh my. <laughs> it was like, I, it was I really, really enjoyed that moment. And this is this is from from Alien, who I I wouldn't consider to be this. You know, um, he, he's not addicted to brand. You know, and brand marks and this. He's he's, he's a coder. You know, he's a, he's yeah a, yeah he's yeah. A, I, and it's like, is there, whoa! It's like <laughs> oh my god, we, he's like a little kid. Like, oh, like, oh, like it, Christmas has come early. <laughs> yeah, this is what's funny is like you aren't alone. Like we we heard this actually in SF when the keynote happened and all that. Like there was a lot of feedback even from like uh I forget who it was. Somebody was saying that it's like, you know, one of Webflow's investors was there. And like these are people that have been in tech a long time. They've been helped a lot of products get going all that. And and the person made the comment that he's like I've never ever been to a, a you know, feature announcements like this and people are gasping at new features or new brand stuff like this is rare like this is unique and and i think it does go to say there's something special and like uh yeah i won't go down the the whole that i i think i'll just say that like i you know i especially was somebody that was like incredibly passionate about like there needs to be meaning in the mark and you know and and how and and the challenge to get there to to some semblance of like both visual meaning but also like backstory meaning to like the people like us that yeah do think that's fun right and so anyways thank you yes that's uh yeah <laughs> so awesome to hear and but I, and then i think yeah I, I was gonna say with with those launches it's mm. obviously apple did everyone everyone loves the old apple you know launches you know one oh, more yeah. thing oh yeah but everybody set, copies them let's be honest it, like yeah, yeah but yeah but it set a precedent some sometimes though it, it creates headaches. I think like I think it creates headaches for for Webflow. To be honest, mm. it's like we've got to have some big ticket items to to for November. Yeah, you know, we've got we've got to have those big ticket items ready to go. But that dominates obviously the product roadmap, and it's I, mm. like you alluded to. We need okay. We might not be able to get all of this done, but let's get mm-hmm. a lot of it done, and we'll mm-hmm. throw you know like throw it out there. And that sometimes disrupts the whole, you know, because you guys are now, you got as like Alan said, you, you guys are, you guys are developing new stuff, and sometimes you don't know where where the the fallout is going to happen. You know, there's always mm. positives, but you don't there's know always where. Risk. Yeah, it's not going to work, totally. or it's not going to yeah. work as you envisaged it, or the community are going to come back and go on mass. This doesn't work because we use it this way, and there's no way of you really telling if that's going to happen or not. Um, right, right. But it's, it's 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 not your doing. It's not sometimes like Steve Jobs and his damn like pocket out the back, like phone out the back of the pocket. Basically, set a precedent. And said, yeah, you guys, are, you have to present something magical at every every conference. Mm, which yeah, which is and I think yeah, double edged. A, a, a tide that I was at least excited that we're moving towards is is not this past year, but 2022 also announced a lot of things, memberships, all that, but like most of it was all all like coming soon. 
right? And I think a big shift that happened in this last 2023 conf was like variables and a lot of that was like, today you will get access to this, you know? And, and even especially to the Apple comparison that they do so well at that, right? And I think, you know, that's something that I've, you know, heard up come internally that's probably no surprise. It's like, I, especially the phone world, I love to compare, like there's, you know, generally Samsung, Apple. Samsung like arguably comes out with like the new hotness sooner. They innovate quicker and release quicker than Apple, but Apple still holds true to this, like taking their time to make sure that when they release it, it is available then and it is good. You know what I mean? Even if that means it comes a a year after the same feature that Samsung has, whatever that feature is, there's been so many that are equivalent, right? And so I, I personally always hope that Webflow can stay too true to the, the Apple essence of like, let's do it and do it right. And I know that that's something especially goes all the way up to Vlad uh, and our CTO, Alan, I feel like has been a big factor in finally getting however that works. Again, I'm just an, an observer on the outside. However, that works to, to make this magic happen of actually shipping stuff. Like not just saying we're going to do it, like making sure that we plan it and then actually deliver. Uh, and even in the spectrum of deliver too, not just massive features like memberships and logics, but like all the little stuff that what's so yeah. funny is like, I would arguably say for our type of audience, the little stuff I would say is more, way more exciting than most of the the big. For example, like uh, in ahead of 2021 conf, somebody had asked like, so what, what are you most excited about? And I think, I think I said my favorite feature of all of that year was the WebP compression in the asset panel. And that was like Dylan on his lunch break for a week, <laughs> like cranking that out. Apparently it's like, well, I, that wasn't even like a planned thing. Like that was huge. And so I think even maybe that is a segue back to the other thing I was going to say about the UI is something else that was announced at comp, you know, that is this coming this year is custom properties, CSS custom properties. And oh boy, I am so, so, so excited about them in terms of a very similar parallel to variables, but I would say like maybe even more accessible. Um, in general, both variables and CSS properties, what, you know, at, at their high level, they're bringing more of these CSS code concepts natively into Webflow and, you know, starting to intermix even more closely with code, right? Um, so for example, like, all the innovation that's happening in CSS, like new properties are coming out all the time. If y'all don't follow, yeah, if if you two, I mean, especially or anybody listening doesn't follow Jay Hay on on Twitter, uh, he's like ex-Google, I think he's at, uh, I forget, some other tech company now, Stripe maybe, or I don't remember. He's like a CSS like God. I don't know. That's the only way I'd put it. And he like constantly tweets these like just incredible things made purely with CSS or mostly with CSS. And a lot of them are using like, you know, next gen, like only available props that you have to be in like the dev mode in Chrome or Firefox to run. But the point is that there's all this innovation happening there. And because Webflow is so true to HTML and CSS, we just get all that CSS innovation for free, if you think about it that way, right? And so now with things like custom properties, even more so, like, because you can just type in whatever the property is. Webflow doesn't necessarily have to like, you don't have to wait for Webflow to go build the UI around that. You can just use it, right? Like there is, don't get me wrong, there's going to be some setup still required, but in general, it's going to open up so much. And then even this side of like variables, another pro to get back to the pro and con list, and then maybe we'll go into the con list, uh, is that variables, and I was like, I didn't even know this was going to happen until cough. So I was right there with y'all like, giddy, I gasped was the fact that you can create a variable in Webflow and then go to the little gear and it gives you the actual CSS variable freaking name. 
in it. And so you can go use that variable name and custom CSS and you'll be able to use it in custom properties when those are out. And, and so again, you're, you're drawing this bridge between like just vanilla code and this visual interface in Webflow. And, and the more that that's bridged, in my opinion, the more power we get. And it's like compounding, right? Because again, you <clears> think <throat> about even just custom properties and variables, those two features alone, the compounding effect of, all right, I can set up all my variables. And now when all these new CSS properties come out, I can just bind them in there if I want to, right? An example is even uh, to be more clear, it's a little technical, but like CSS calc, uh, you know, like so you mm -hmm. can like do a calculation within a CSS property. And in Mast, one of the things I was saying that I'm most excited about to Matt, especially, was like, we've got a lot of feedback around like the layout system and that like the base gap between columns is 40 pixels. And the way that it's set, like it's not CS, it's not flex gap. It's set with like padding on the calls and then offset margin on the row and then like bottom margin on the call and offset margin on the row. It's just, which actually shout out to Matt also because the offset margin on the row is totally his grace of opinion. I love it. The point is that if you want to change that, you have to change it in like six places, I think. Six, mm -hmm. Yeah. And and now with one variable set at 40 pixels by default, but then I'm using a little custom CSS, which will eventually be in a custom property. So it's kind of native. Uh, I can do the calculation to get all those six variables set, even though some of them are 20 and some of them are 40, one of them is negative 40. I can do all that with calc, right? And so that just all of a sudden is opening up so much more possibility to use these things in a you know creative and strategic way. And, and I think like in a lot of ways, if you think about it just like that, like this is just one more thing that I can use. And it's very vanilla on the surface. Like, yeah, like I said, the color thing, you set a color, you use it everywhere. You set 10, 12, let's call it 16 pixels. And I want to set that on all my 16 pixel margin things. I don't know. And I can change it in one place, it changes everywhere. That's the basic thing. But if you think about it more as this like video game strategy, just like in a lot of ways, CSS frameworks are a strategy thing. They are like, we're gonna go into the ethereal world and we're not gonna go break those, you know, or we're not gonna pass those levels first. First, we're gonna go do this level so we can get the special, you know, magic acts. And then we're gonna go go through these <laughs> levels way faster, whatever. I like such a nerdy thing. I don't know if you got y'all game. I don't really game much anymore, but I was big gamer back in the day I, and I, like, heard, you, I heard you were a oh. very big gamer you were a halo a yeah halo yeah, yeah, yeah i yeah. thought i was gonna be like a pro halo player in high school i like did tournaments all this stuff it was yeah nuts and that so much of it today i just love this is what i this is the part of webflow and just the web i love is the strategy part of it like that's why i think frameworks and stuff are so fascinating and also why like i'll say too that like I, you know, like some people, I feel like maybe even FinSuite is a little, you know, bullish on client first. Like it's the only way kind of thing. It's like, I don't really care what y'all use as long as you use a framework. Like I think it's more interesting when more people add their own perspective on it, just like a video game or something, right? Like, um, and then how you mix and match those ideas and concepts. Like, again, it's just the beauty of like, if I'm going to get really nerdy and metaphor is like the beauty of humanity. Like we have grown and evolved our culture and the way we live every day because of compounding innovation or ideas from multiple people, not one, right? And so it should be no different on the web or in Webflow. Um, anyway, I, I think I think the challenge that it's such an interesting challenge is mm. um, if you pick today now. So you talk about the calc and yeah. the variables, and then like Timothy Ricks. So Timothy Ricks launches uh, Lumos, and it's got he's he's got a, a such an interesting workaround. Mm. But then Webflow released something that that means that that, that workaround is not needed anymore. 
Yep. And and then like to, like the other day I was doing um, a text balance wrap, you know, like text text yep, wrap yep, balance. Yep. So I create this utility class, and you know I'm you know put the custom code in, and then then you hear okay like uh, the custom values are coming out. Co- yep. Oh, custom properties. Co- yeah, property. Yeah. So I'm like okay, I can get rid of that now. Yep. And Bingo. you're constantly doing that with mm-hmm. the way it's working. And in some respects, you, you go, oh, man, but I've just done all that work of setting up this. And yeah, you know, like like uh, variables um, for breakpoints. Yeah. It's like yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm, and I guess you, you alluded to with masks. Like I haven't done anything for you know four or five months because, you know. Yeah, um, I was waiting. Like, yeah, I'm like, I, I went into it the other day and started writing all these breakpoints out, putting all the variables in, changing them, happy out, and then thinking... Yeah, but maybe in two months I'm gonna have to rip all this out again. And do I want to give it to a client? And like, uh, it's yeah, like, yeah, yeah. It's, it's always this kind of pull and pull, pull and push. I which mean, is a, it's a good pull and push because yeah. obviously Webflow see people pushing the boundaries and then can use that as a bit of product research to mm-hmm. to see how. It works. But that's it is because Webflow is like close to the the edge essentially. Yeah, not the, the code. Edge, but it's it's yes, yeah, it's, it's the cold face. Where's and and I, I, going back to the conference things, like they're not releasing. I think you have to be strong to release stuff when it's ready, mm, but you also mm. have to be strong to re- not release stuff, even though everyone's calling for it. And AI is one of those things when I've thought everyone 100%. is AI, 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 and Webflow have gone, hey, look, we will work out when our AI and where it needs to fit in. Mm-hmm. You know, frame of frame of great you know they, it was maybe a part of a pr strategy but they went out and no one's talking about it anymore and no one's using it oh uh, ai so and, but webflow might be go like right what if we can have ai to help you set up your variables or or you know you can put something in and say hey look i want something that scales differently on mobile okay well we'll put we'll change all the values for you and the scales mm, and mm. those kind of things and that's that's where yeah that's why i think that's why you know you see a few tools coming out and Oh, but we can do this and this tool, and that's why we're all sticking around and going. Yeah, Webflow yeah. is has its has its edge case faults, and we all we all have a vent every so often on Twitter, and mm-hmm. you know, Alien goes, "Hey, you picking a fight today with so and so on the?" You know, <laughs> I'm like, well, What's... yeah, we all we all want to you know get our get our our frustrations out because we can't work out how to do whatever. Um, yeah, yeah. But yeah. at the end of the day, if I think I picked up Webflow four years ago. The difference, mm-hmm. you probably can't tell day to day, but the difference is monumental in what you can oh. do now. Like, like Alan yeah. was saying about web apps, like, oh, he, he's working on HCMX stuff now. It's like, there's so, so many different ways that. you can do it. It's just, yeah, yeah. It's, it's still, I think the thing, the thing I'll say is like, this is also the web in terms of like, do I do it now or do I wait? Right, like this is forever. Yeah. Like, an example is the. I think it was the third site maybe that I ever built in Webflow. This is like, I think 2017, 18. It was for a hospital chain, a medical chain here in the Midwest where I live. And they were a client of the company I was working at. And medical, at least in the US, is like very far behind in terms of technology. And so they told us like, hey, heads up, when you build the site that you're building for us, most of our hospitals and the like nurses and doctors that will use this site, it was like a, a incentive program site. They're all, it's all Internet Explorer. So make sure, you know, that it works. And so... The, the whole site and thank you to Webflow again, back to they don't opinionate what display property you use. I built the whole thing with just old school floats, blocks, no flexbox, none of that, right? Like just so vanilla. And, but that's fine. That's 
powerful in the way that I can go back to that. And the reason I'm giving that example is like, I remember also around that time, the the engineering team that was the company I was worked at, you know, they were huge on this, where it was like, they're very hesitant to ever even adopt Flexbox when it was starting to come out because of like, well, no, let's wait till it's more deep browser support. And, you know, there's this whole other rabbit hole we could go down, probably shouldn't of like, and I, I, I still, I feel like I only understand this concept at the surface is like progressive enhancement, which is like, Generally, this development concept of like, use the latest and greatest spec, prop, whatever the thing is, but then have a fallback, usually <laughs> as like a JavaScript polyfill, right? So like JavaScript that's like, going to manually make sure that whatever that thing is you want to use, like Flexbox, would still somewhat work in ancient IE, God rest its soul. Uh, <laughs> actually, I, we're glad it's gone. Uh, and, <laughs> yeah, yeah. and and so I think variables is no different and even in Webflow is no different, right? It's like you, you got to at some point just pick the time when you're going to get in and know that there's going to be refactoring later and what's, you know, the, the lowest impact of refactoring that will be needed. And so, again, it took me a while to get to that point. And then I think even uh, as I was setting up the stuff with Mass, I was like, I think really at least my first take at it was like, the only place the breakpoint one will happen at least is the all the type sizes where like right now, you know, we're just using like a suffix of like brackets, you know, LG, MD, SM or XS for all the different breakpoint font sizes that change. And I mean, thankfully, the way that mass works around, especially utility classes being M based by default, you know, it, it hitches on or it whatever piggybacks that font size change so that at least we don't have to also do it there. Right. And so mm-hmm. in general, like that was a lot that I was going through my head of like, how do I also keep it somewhat minimal? And I think, again, Matt and I DM back and forth about this a little bit in, in such a good way that like, what's funny is like, it is a little overwhelming at first. Like you start adding them and I'm like, holy crap, like there's already like 50 in here or something. <laughs> but I was really trying my best to keep it as simplified as possible in the context of like, that is the point of mass even that I've always tried to, that that has always inspired me in the way I build. It's like, I think about it like golf, right? Like, Development should be like golf in the way of the goal is to get to the hole in as least amount of strokes as possible. How do I build this layout with as few properties and classes and elements as I possibly can? Like that is just fun to me. Like some people are like, I don't give a crap, dude. I'm going to copy paste this reloom uh, component. Be done. Ship. Give me my money. Game's over. I'm like, ah, <laughs> this is like that. There's no sport in that. Like I don't go hunting. You know, I don't actually hunt, but like if I was a hunter, like I, I am more in the, the camp of probably the hunter that goes out with like a pistol to shoot a tiger, you know, just mm. for the sport and the thrill of the tiger maybe ripping my head off. But that like last minute shot is going to be some, shot. yeah, slingshot right? in Sling the snow. <laughs> there you go. Right. And so, again, it's like there's a but spectrum. You're dead of, right. Of this, and like just know? going on like math, your, your point there about when is the time to move? Like and I'll see yours, Corey, there about how. Webflow has like whatever the the choice you you make to to get to an end result. Like Webflow has always given us the option mm. to put whatever CSS we want into mm. our project. Mm-hmm. And like when I started with Webflow, a lot of it I don't even think there was Sticky. Sticky was like a custom nope. CSS that you had to set up yep. in you know either in your head or you put in a custom element to set up your Sticky. And I don't know about as it's six or eight months later, there was a native sticky element. And I was mm-hmm. like, God damn it. I, you know, I never made that video about how to make a custom but, element sticky that like was going to make me Webflow famous. That, yeah, you know, it's, that, it's, that's just, that's just the nature of it. And, and it keeps coming back to like, 
you're talking about props and calc and like we can still do these things in Webflow. We can do mm. all of these. You you can do web variables in Webflow without native oh, yeah. variables in oh, Webflow yeah. if yeah. you choose. Mm-hmm. Um, which is kind of like the the the, the Lumos route is kind of like he's gone down a lot oh. of custom customizations across the breakpoints. Mm-hmm. Um, but the, the the thing that I what I want and to see Webflow doing more and and the frameworks doing more and and all this is coming closer to what traditional developers and front ends think of it and see it mm-hmm. and understand so that it's not this like weird toy over here that totally. you know there's like one and a half million people just playing with yeah or whatever it is, the amount of websites there are but it's that if we can get it as close as possible to that and like lumos is really cool but i think it's a webflow solution for a webflow problem mm. mast is you know very like closer to what traditional devs would read and and like fin sweet the, the best thing about fin sweet is that it brought the standard of css oh, up from what it was totally to like it's almost it's it, it would almost you almost have no excuse now to write bad css in webflow because of what fin suite and Reloom mm-hmm. have done yeah. so like there's a really high standard now compared to what it was five years six years ago so like and then and going from fin suite to something more traditional that looks and reads more traditional it's not that big a step anymore and like yeah so the the thing that's again i'll, I'll say it all i've often said it but the you're not limited you the, the ui might be limited but webflow doesn't limit you like you can inject custom code you can inject custom css um you can inject custom attributes you can put them into the custom attributes embeds or or in, inputs or you can write them hard hard code them into an, an and, embed like and it's, you it's and awesome. you can use it as a server as you told me the other day yeah you can well yeah you can kind of work, use webflow as a server that's correct which is pretty cool i mean uh, how cool com- is that though yeah i mean one comment i'll make well, up- yeah like it's just the way weird way of thinking about it but yeah you can use webflow as its own server Using either jQuery load or HTMX yeah. and pulling AJAX I AJAX still, elements. Yeah. I still think I you know like a quick side on that is even like you know the nested collections limit is like why did you why did we ever even release that uh, the native one and so I'm still very much team yeah jQuery load or or just JavaScript fetch I mean now HTMX I haven't I haven't dabbled with doing it that way but either way yes doing it that and what's funny is like a, another even tangent there on the server is like. There is certain people for sure that see so many ways to do this. One example is Ben Parker, uh, which Matt, at least you for sure, because I've heard before. I've, like, I've, yeah, I mean, him, I've and, had experience him and Matt. Ben. Yeah, him and Matt yeah, Vargas, who runs eighty twenty, where Matt used to be a dev. Like I, Matt Vargas put it one time. I think it was at Comp. He's like, we oh we have like a we have like a bat phone for Ben. You know, like we'll pick up the bat phone and be like Ben. Like you know, what do we do <laughs> or whatever? Because like I I mean the stuff Ben comes up with in the way that he yeah like he's done some awesome oh. stuff with like PHP and how to like yeah or, you know pull from another database and serve it like yeah it's even like without without even using a proxy, isn't it? It's like oh it's, it's like direct you know you're direct into Webflow, but it's more, if I remember correctly, it's like he's got his own environment, writes his PHP, injects yeah, it that way. An, an example you can see is, and for anybody listening, if you go to github.com slash Webflow dash examples, this is a public GitHub uh, 
repo, or I guess there's a lot of repos in there. I never know how to say that workspace. I don't know. That Ben and most of the like uh, enterprise technical architect team has has contributed to. And so there's a ton of just like repo solutions in there that are incredible examples of like, if you just really get technical about it, you can extend Webflow in all kinds of ways. One example in there is even like using Webflow, a, a single Webflow project as a headless CMS for other projects, um, you know, by like, I forget the word that's it, that's used in the repo. But like, again, we don't, that's not something that's marketed, you know, but even things like reverse proxy or- Hang on, know, so like using, using a Webflow project as a front end for other Webflow projects? Uh, as actually more like the other way, a back end. So the, the way to think about it would be like, Essentially, anytime you update a Webflow CMS and you want that collection to be automatically like sent to multiple other projects, uh, what again? What is the term? I'm like looking at it now. <laughs> the term the that other way around. Yeah. So one Webflow project is serving multiple other Webflow projects. Yeah, syndicate. That's the word he that he uses in this repo. So syndicate Webflow CMS data from one site to many other sites. And again, really, it's just using the CMS API in a creative way. Mm -hmm. And I think you need some middleware that's like constantly watching for changes. Also, the other way to put it is like, if you've heard of WhaleSync, big fan of WhaleSync, uh, that you could do the same thing in a way, right? Where what you just connect mm -hmm. one Webflow project to many others. So every time a change happens here, it's sent to somewhere else. And like at its core, that's kind of headless CMSs, right? Is you have this like monolith. Mm -hmm database that's serving to multiple maybe projects or at least one main project right and the the idea being you separate the back end and the front end so if you want to change the front end to some other framework or something else later it doesn't matter the back end will stay as it is again this whole other technical rabbit hole but i think it the main point stands of like Webflow, if you don't think of it as just this like visual builder and you think of all the primitives like the CMS API and even components and all the innovation that's happening there with DevLink and stuff, like there's these core primitives that like, if you really get creative and technical about it, you can, you know, take them really far. Even like, I think to touch back on variables and its correlation to this is, I don't know if you all caught as well that the Figma to Webflow plugin uh, has a beta out right now for variable sync. Um, so, you know, if you have this like arguably maybe not as common, but magical, especially in-house team workflow, where imagine you have this major design system set up in Figma, all in variables as much as it can be. And then you have the matching thing in Webflow. And then uh, you have DevLink that maybe you have some of your actual styling of your product, your SaaS product is controlled in Webflow. And so you could have this like this linear pipeline of like all source styling and variables is housed in Figma. When you make an update, just like you can update from one Figma file to multiple via publishing a Figma library, you can go consume those updates in all the separate Figma files. You could open up Webflow, consume all those variable updates there, and then those will automatically cascade into the component. And then that component is being used as the front end of a component in a React app that the engineering team's running. And so if you think about it, you can have this like end-to-end -end stream of this, like, honestly, in my opinion, like at the end of the day, I think that's what a lot of like even Figma themselves is going after. Everybody's trying to find this end-to-end -end solution of like ultimate product design control all the way through, you know, engineering in this like seamless harmony of development heaven. I don't know. Um, and I don't, I'm not saying at all that like that's what the way that Webflow is going about it is necessarily like the perfect solution. But I think it's, a, again, it's making those incremental steps towards it um, in a way that like, 
is kind of exciting. Like again, I I don't really use the Figma plugin candidly much. Um, I sent Matt also <laughs> a video uh, the other day on like even with Mast and kind of this workflow you could use to copy paste working responsive layouts from Figma right into Webflow and use mass classes that are already in Webflow. But it's it's a very much a perfect world scenario. And I heard it from Matt and many others that I sent it to that like, this is great, but like that is all under the assumption that you are directly or have like a really good enough relationship with the designer to know that the way they're designing it in Figma will even work for this. It's like 90% of the time, that's not the case, right? So I think the industry still has a long way to go with a lot of this, but um yeah anyways i don't know another tangent <laughs> no yeah, then we'd end up just being like this webflow automation engineer or something oh, that makes right. sure everything Sits and it's in. like you're in so much trouble if it doesn't work yeah yeah <laughs> yeah, yeah yeah and it, like, no, like, like you set up this perfect like feedback loop and the designer goes in and does something and it's just like it or, didn't yeah the designer replicate. the designer intern comes in and is given a seat for two weeks and they change the blue to red and boom the whole thing just goes red oh you, know? you have to have for sure yeah. friction in there for approvals yeah. and updates and yeah that is the key right and i think even maybe as that is a tangent back to like i think do you think you know we should hit the con list of variables at least as it sits now right yeah um, let's, let's do that i know we've been going a long time and I, it feels like it will be going it. 20 minutes, but we feel it'll be going for four hours. It's been it's been brilliant. So if we can hit cons quickly. Well, basically, from what I can yeah. tell, the cons of variables are breakpoints. Because, that's like, one. That's one. I, that's, well, that's the main one. Because like you can use sizing in an absolute absolute sizing. And you can use it kind of in REMS if you want to use it based off of its parent. Yeah. Or sorry, EMS, if you want it to be based off its parent. Mm -hmm. That's probably the main one that people... Um, have to deal with is the that going across all breakpoints. Totally, yeah. and and definitely the other thing that I see is reading in the UI what the variable is is downside for tough. sure. And I think some others I'd throw in is just like prop support. Again, font weight is one I mentioned earlier. It's not supported. So if you want to do that, like as a workaround, and and the only one I even point that out is is like, and I again made this comment to Matt is like it. The way that at least we I, I set up variables and masks to start was like, what are like the core CSS props that you change on almost every project? And, you know, especially because something like mass is meant to be brand agnostic is meant to be brand. It'll 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 work with any brand. Right. And so you're always probably changing fonts, heading sizes, those kinds of things. And what one of those props that more than likely changes with the font is the weight. Like, are we using 400, 500, 700, whatever? So I think, in, you know, we need support there on like a wider range of props. I will say again, this is where custom properties is going to help a lot. It's going to accelerate this so that it makes it even faster for it to be more native, right? Um, in, in the way, even an example, I'm pretty sure they showed this at Webflow Comp that when you add a custom property, uh, it will, for example, if you do a property that's already in the Webflow UI, like width, like maybe you want to do a calc on a width, you put it in the custom property at the bottom of the style panel, hit enter. And then if you scroll back up to the width property, it has a little like, filled in thing there that you can click on to see what's being set. In other words, it's making that relationship visually for you, right? And so, you know, properties will help get some of that there quicker. I think another one is like um, right in line with the breakpoints. I, 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 this is no alluding to anything. I have no idea, honestly, the path, but I hope the path Webflow takes is that, that 
just like breakpoints, you can also do modes or that is just generally modes. It's, it's just like in Figma where if you set up variables in Figma, you know, you start with rows just like in, in Webflow and you can use slash commands to group them together. But then you just have these arbitrary columns. So which are modes or variants is another way you could really say it. You know, so I want to add a column for large breakpoint, medium breakpoint, whatever. And then I also maybe want to add a column for light mode and dark mode. Like, candidly, my personal hot take, I don't know why everybody gets so hot and bothered by light and dark mode. Like, I don't have a lot of clients that are like, I must have light and dark mode or this site is shit. Like, it's, I, it, like, I guess I'm more on the, I, I am a big fan of like things like accessibility. So like, I, I love that, you know, there, you can use CSS to change a whole site from light and dark mode based on the user's preference that they set in their operating system, not by a little team, you know, dribbly toggle mm. in the corner. Like, so again, hot tangent there. I don't know why we over-index on that, but, but it's I do think- It's Notion. There's too many oh, designers sure. reading yeah. Notion at two o'clock in the morning and waking up their partners. And and they've gone, Facts. oh, wouldn't it be cool to do dark? I'm going to do it for every single project ever. Yeah, ever yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Yeah, um, but one one thing one thing I thought about variables, and it, I guess it's come from looking at your the way you've done mast, and also the way that um, Timothy Ricks does his, is mm -hmm. that, and it probably comes back to that that idea of having a plan that you mentioned mm -hmm. with you know having a framework is mm -hmm. when you have when you start writing CSS, often when you're learning it, you start writing it, and then you then you go, oh, actually, I should name things a different way. I got so deep, and then I, I've run out of words let's re rewind and write it in a different way and the same with with classes that we use now utility is like is it background color brown or is it background color primary or is it background <laughs> color brown 90 percent, or whatever it might be you know and i guess yeah. that translates into the the variable world as well is that you just like take a step back a little bit and go okay how how am i gonna what am i gonna call these and how do they relate to the way i've written classes and mm -hmm. absolutes versus you know is a variable that is always absolute, like an eight, is eight rem variable that is is an eight rem value. Is that a, is that a variable? Does it need to be a variable? Like it, that's why it brings a lo load of complexities that it does that, that maybe not it doesn't fit naturally with the maybe the old school Webflow way of doing things, which is kind of visual and you know mm -hmm. it, it has a lot of helpers along the way. The variables is the first one where it's like you have to do a bit of bit of thinking yourself here and do a bit of research outside of the webflow designer to make sure that you're planning it correctly and yeah because you know, as you said like, like i went into the mask thing and straight away i was like oh it doesn't work in the ui and then <laughs> you messaged me and said yeah but this is more for when you're starting a project and yep. you know i had to put my head in the starting a project mode because then it makes sense but yep. if it's a middle of a project mode i was like yeah but when are you going to change the font in the middle of a project, you know? It's, right. And I, I think, you know, I think a great point you made, Matt, that I liked was, uh, even though it'll save time setting up, you know, initial projects. So an example there that honestly, I was thinking about this the other day. I was like, I should just do like a, a side-by-side -side video of like setting up a Webflow project in no variable mast. And like, especially the part that I hate the most candidly is the headings. Like, there's a reason, and I will never change that, that you have a H1 class, and then you also have to style the H1 element to match, right? So that for accessibility reasons, you can interchange them and change, you know, control visual size separate from the HTML semantic element. Uh, but I would always, notoriously, I'd be going through updating heading, you know, font size and line height and all that. 
and I do it in the class and then I'll go to the element and I'm like comparing back and forth and I'll always miss one. I don't catch it till it like goes live or whatever. And so having a variable set for all those, it just set for both. So I set it in one place. And I know for sure it's good. However, as you know, mass especially only has H1 through four out of our opinionated thing that six is there's, yeah, you, sh- you don't need six heading sizes, but here nor there, some other designer, or you may have a system that does. And so now that means if you want to add H5 and 6, it's actually going to take you more time than it did before, because not only do you need to go set those classes up, uh, you're going to need to, you know, set up the variables to correspond them if you want to keep it consistent with how all other variables were set, right? So, but I think, I, I still think that the time saved in these variables being set up that are there now is still going to net uh, less time total than even if you have to add H5 and 6 on there and match match the properties, right? So it's like, it's totally a mindset thing. And it's like, even I think the one that I'm still not, honestly, I, I, I don't know if, how I feel about it, but I did it anyways, was like in MAST at least there, you know, I added like M spacing variables that set all the utilities for like, you know, M, U, M, B, 1. So margin bottom 1 M, uh, 2, 3, whatever. And then I also did a whole stack of rem ones. Um, mostly that they're really only set on like the sections, but I think my other thought was like, at least when I go to create a custom class and I want to tack on some, you know, bottom margin as part of the custom class, I don't want to use a utility in that case. I'll have this subset of like predefined rems that at least like finites the selection and makes it like almost less effort because I think there's that other side of frameworks that I love, which is like reducing the cognitive load, right? Like I don't even need to think about it because I only have so many options. So I don't have to. Yeah, it's almost like you're fluent in that language. Yes. Yeah. You don't have to even remember it. And so like, especially when I've showed people, like I love meeting people that like are just learning Webflow for the first time and then showing them something like MAST as a way to get started. And, And it's awesome when they almost find it easier because again, it's, it's almost intimidating when it's like, I could do literally zero to infinity pixels on this one thing. <laughs> like, how do I pick? You know? And so it's like, if you yeah. give them finite control, and then I love that comparison, Alan, is like, it, it's it's a language. You, you get so fluent and fast with it, especially like keyboard shortcut controls that like, it really becomes efficient. And so I try to think of it in that way. Again, I think what's hard, especially what bothers the bejesus out of me is that you cannot reorder variables right now. So Matt, to your point that like, what if you want to change one later and add one? Like I, the rem spacings, I think there's 0.25, 0.5, 0.75, 1, 1.5. What if I want a 0.15? Like I can add that, but then now it's going to drive me nuts because I can't drag it to the top of the list in the variable menu, right? Which again, Mm-hmm. I'm sure that will come, right? Like, I know that that's been voiced internally. When I was even set up the mass, I was like messaging in some channel internally. I was like, ah, this is so frustrating. I can't reorder these. Like, or or I'm excited again for Mackenzie to release Hatch because like he really brief back- backstory on that is like, he he's refactored Webflow University to be based on a lot of this thinking now. And it saved him like, I think it's like two thirds of the amount of custom CSS he had before to control modes and things like that has all been put into variables. And so it's like vastly made it more efficient in terms of the amount of like code to simply maintain. And, but in doing that, you know, there's a lot of strategy into it. And he has like, again, 260 variables. And so the amount of times he said that he had to like add, rename, delete, reorder, like, because you can't reorder is just maddening. Right. But that's also, we're just, you know, ground floor of this feature being released. So hopefully that stuff goes away 
at some point in the future, making it all the more easy to work with and maintain, etc. So, anyways, yeah, it's ah. <laughs> there's a lot. There's a lot to unpack there. Gee, I yeah, I, I yeah. I'm so reordering. You find re- the reorder. I could see that it took a lot of toll on you there. <laughs> I look the, here's I'd say the you know the 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 flow guys. In the UK, they did the reorder for the CMS. Oh, yeah, yeah, so yeah. If you're listening, there you go, reorder flow, guys. Add I, it to your extension. I, the thing <laughs> I wish in Webflow is like there's so many places. And th- what's ironic about this statement is like one of the things I deeply love about Webflow is the consistency generally of UI. Like the CMS is, you know, you create an item and you have fields and you have a list of those things, an interaction you create an interaction, you have a list of them, whatever, but pages, you know, there's all these places that have the same primitive of a list of items that you are generating to do something. And my dream and hope that we could get to is that there's just pure consistency between all of those instances where you can do all the same things, search, filter, group, reorder, what blah, blah, blah. Like there's a lot of those, right? And like the reality is like, that's a, you know, it's not a small ask, right? Those are all different teams working on different things built in different ways. But, you know, I do think there's that dream for me personally of like just that pure consistency that like if I go into any menu to control variables, CMS interaction doesn't matter. I have those same primitives that I know I can control the experience with, right? Um, So I think it is a priority. Like I don't know if you all played with component grouping, prop grouping yet was released like last week or the week before. Um, is a step in that very, direction, very right? Nice, like, yeah. it, like component props get unwieldy when you have more than five. And so mm-hmm. it's already so much better just being able to group them and give them a name so that somebody using it can really like get through it much quicker. Um, yeah. So like to wrap this up, cause we, we, um, we do have day jobs to go to. <laughs> this is, this has been awesome. Um, <clears throat> I think you're unique, Corey. I mean, you're probably not unique, but you're you're quite special in the fact that you're a you you're a designer. You, your day job is a designer, but you can geek out with the best of us on you know CSS variables and all sorts. Is, yeah, yeah, yeah. What what one bit of advice would you give to those of us who are sitting more on one side of the fence than the other? So. Mm. If, if you're a designer who's coming into the Webflow world or if you're a web a developer coming into the Webflow world, because we're a mix, we're a massively mixed bunch. You know, you've got totally like Ali and I would say is you've come from the dev side and then you've got some people coming specifically from the design side. And it's just mm. you sit in the middle where you're you obviously a very talented designer, but also a very talented uh, dev. Thank you. How, like, what, what bit of advice could you give to either group to kind of make their life easier, but also make the other side's life easier? Assuming <laughs> I'm a dev working with a designer or you're a designer yeah, yeah, working yeah. with a dev. I, I mean, the first thing I'll clarify is the irony is like, yeah, I definitely have a traditional design background, but any more on day to day, like even internally at Webflow, my title as brand designer is elusive because like I actively ask, like, I don't want to design stuff anymore. I just want to build stuff. <laughs> and like, I'm like kind of like the tech lead on the team. I don't know. That's why I like my web's personal websites, like Webflow tech lead. I'm trying to like get that, that title to be official. So the my brand. advice would be like... You're, you're, you're rebranding yourself. You're rebranding yeah, yourself. Trying, trying. <laughs> I think my advice would be that like, the reality is that there's always been these sides and I hate sides. I like unity. I like, like, 
I, the, the, the passion at its core that I have for Webflow is that before discovering Webflow, my daily life was the sides. Like I designed this perfect thing, throw it over this imaginary wall to a developer and it would come back like it was put through a meat grinder mixed with poop and then served on a plate. And I would be like, what happened to my beautiful cake that I made? And the reality is that like the more you can empathize with both sides and understand like to be truly genuine, genuinely empathetic, like a saying is like, you know, genuine empathy comes from genuine experience. Like you need to experience that other side. And then my hope is that one day there will be so much of a blur between the sides that it it will, you know, won't matter. And so like somebody even tweeted this other day that they're like, hey, if you do both design and development, like do you charge more for one or the other? And I'm like, I, I, yeah, I, that too, yeah, I was like, I think you should charge more for both if you can truly do both. Because like, again, mm-hmm. you are taking two jobs into one. And usually the outcome I've experienced is so much better because you deeply understand both sides. Right. And so my encouragement would be just that, like, try and find like the, the excitement in even understanding the other side, like dabble around in Figma if you mostly do development or think about the ways that, you know, variables as the example we were talking about can maybe correlate between the two. Um, or, you know, someone we've talked about before too is like, especially if you mostly do development, what are the strategies or things that, you know, like ways that you can learn to communicate to like help bridge that gap for the designer, right? Like meet them where they're at, and them wanting the exact 16 pixel or let's say the exact 18 pixel space. And you're like, no, sorry, I'm using mass and it's M based. Uh, so it's going to be summed into the scale of the type, you know, and then like, cause I, I think the, an example of one place to meet people is like designers in general, especially digital web designers nerd out about those like systems of like balance and development. You don't have the choice for the most part, or really the best path, Uh, and fastest path forward is a system, right? With a framework or whatever. And so like the challenge lies in like, how do you find a cohesive system between the two, right? And so I don't know. Yeah, I I just love that. Like we're all, you know, generally blurring that line. And and I think as Webflow, as we've talked about, gets more and more technical, it's just like all the more reason to like lean into that, especially for designers, I would say like, you you need to get more technical as well if that's the medium you're working in. Like the woodworking thing I mentioned earlier, like if you really want to be a craftsman in something, like don't you want to learn about the medium that you're affecting? Like don't you like, again, I don't, I'd say that that maybe sounds condescending or something. I don't mean to, to be, but like there is something to be said about that no matter the industry, music, whatever. Like the more you really want to become an expert, a pro, the top of your game, the more you need to understand what you're creating and like all the essence that comes with it, right? And so I don't think that's any different for development and design is like finding that real deep understanding of both, you know, and always having the open mindset to learn too, I think is something we maybe could come out of this talk with is like, Stuff's going to happen. Variables going to come out. Properties. Who knows what's next? <laughs> Matt mentioned AI stuff. Like, yeah, I don't. That was my gosh. Eight months ago, Webflow said something about that. Like, I hope something's coming. I don't know. And and the point is that stuff will come. And so how do you, you know, respond and be open to it and then find the good timing when it fits in your workflow? That doesn't mean it has to be right away. Right. So way long answer. I'm sorry. <laughs> no 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 that's awesome yeah Yeah. that is awesome Awesome. yeah thank you all for having me this is uh probably one of my favorite that was a very quick 90 minutes (laughs) (laughs) 
such good, such good content. Uh, so. right, that's, no, no, I think that was awesome. I, I think like as as obviously you're, you're a busy parent as well as, as the two of us. It's uh, you know the work day sometimes. Um, back in the day, I think the work day elongated itself. You, you'd fill the space, but when the parental duties come in, you know it's it's so nice to speak to like geek out on stuff. Um, oh. And then go to a different world. As soon as you open that door, it's a different world, and it's a yeah. different time-bound world, and there's different responsibilities. So, there's so many variables when I go <laughs> <laughs> that always change. You're right. Like the only constant yeah. in parenting is there's change. No breakpoints. No. Yeah. Nothing predictable. There, there is definitely no framework. Although people <laughs> write books and books and books about there being yeah. a framework, yeah. there is no framework. So oh, no. No. Thanks. Facts. Thanks very much for just just spending an hour and a half geeking out with us it's been a pleasure and thanks like yeah have a have a great rest of the day over in um over in iowa likewise y'all thank Let's you so much for having me bleed. can we can we finish this one with wait and bleed <laughs> our Ali, our budget for this podcast is 20 20 dollars oh, yeah. so i'm not sure we could have shut that don't even edit out the words <laughs> This episode is sponsored by Slipknot. <laughs> right, right, lads. Right, before right. we get to okay, <laughs> bye, 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 bye. All right, good luck. Goodbye. Bye, 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 bye. Later. <laughs>